Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Daily Daf Differently. My name is Alyssa Gray, and today we'll be learning Yoma Daf Memchet, Yoma 48. I'd like to begin by discussing a literary phenomenon we see on today's Daf, a phenomenon that points beyond itself to issues of how our Bavli was constructed. This literary phenomenon actually begins on the previous Daf at the bottom of 47a, moving on to the top of 47b. There we see a unit of material that begins with Tanu Rabbanan, our rabbis taught, three lines from the bottom of 47a, and ends with, Rather, this is one of the most difficult services in the temple, five lines from the top of 47b. This unit of material is also found in Masechet Menachot 11a. Then, toward the end of 47b, we find four questions asked by the Amora Rav Papa, each indicated by Ba'e Rav Papa, or Rav Papa asked. This unit of material also includes a question asked by Mar Bar Ravashi on 48a, again indicated as Ba'e Mar Bar Ravashi. This unit of material, ending with the word teku, seven lines from the top of 48a, is also found on Menachot 11a. Our Gemara then continues on 48a to present four more questions asked by Rav Papa, for a total of eight questions asked by Rav Papa and nine overall. On 48b, a question is asked of, but not by, Rav Sheshet. This makes ten questions overall, stretching from 47b to 48b. And again, don't forget that we have two units of material, one on 47b and the other on 47b to 48a, that are found as well on Menachot 11a. The presence on 47a to b and 48a of blocks of material found also in Masechet Menachot is hardly unique. This moving around of edited blocks of material between and among Bavli tractates is a key feature of the editorial activity of the mysterious, highly studied but insufficiently understood post-Amoraic editors of the Bavli. Part of how Talmud is created is by moving around edited units of text and then building further text through the interpretation and the literary stitching of an imported literary unit into place in its new tractate. It is sometimes difficult to determine where a given unit of material had been located originally, quote-unquote, and which is its secondary location. In this case, Tosafot to Yoma 48a, in the passage beginning Ba'e, suggests that the material was originally located in Manachot and then was brought over here to Yoma. Tosafot's assumption makes good sense, given that the material traceable to Manachot deals broadly with the subject of Kmitzah, or holding material for offerings in one clenched fist. That is more naturally a subject for Tractate Menachot than Yoma, as we will learn when we get to Tractate Menachot. 
Tosafot also offer a textual reason for the assumption that the material originated in Menachot. Tosafot point out that Marbar Ravashi's question toward the top of 48a is not found, quote, in most books, unquote, that is, in most versions of Bavli Yoma of which they were aware. In fact, medieval manuscripts of Yoma 48a are divided. Some include Marbar Ravashi's question and some do not. Even the early Venice printed edition of the Talmud from 1520 does not include it. Tosafot suggests, however, that since all this material was brought over from Menachot, Mar Bar Ravashi belongs in the text, since he was part of the sugya in Menachot. What we see, then, is that in building this Gemara to the first Mishnah of chapter 5 of Yoma, the editors of Bavli Yoma hardly started from scratch. Indeed, they made use of edited units of material found elsewhere, notably Masechet Menachot in this case, which they brought over and reworked into the Gemara we have here in Yoma 47 to 48. This reworking included the addition of four more questions of Rav Papa on 48a and a question to Rav Sheshet on 48b. The literary result is an extended unit of material stretching from 47b to 48b that is built on the literary scaffolding of questions that pose alternatives and require that decisions be made between them. Although some of these questions are non-answered, as it were, by the expression teku, meaning let it stand, which means that no resolution is forthcoming. I'd like to take a closer look at two of Rav Papa's questions on 48a to b. The first is whether a priest who takes up handfuls of incense while having in his mind at that moment the improper intention that he will offer the incense the following day instead of immediately as is proper thereby invalidates that incense. Ultimately, after a bit of discussion, the answer is yes. The improper intention does indeed invalidate the incense. This is followed by a subtler question. What if the priest's improper intention to offer the incense the next day entered his mind at the time he removed the coals for the incense, but prior to his actually holding handfuls of the incense itself? Does his improper intention once again invalidate the incense, or maybe does it not matter, since the removal of the coals is only a preparatory step in the offering of the incense and not the actual act of offering? In this case, the Gemara leaves the question unresolved. Teku, let it stand. There are two points to note from these questions. The first is the role of mental intention in the acceptability or not of elements of the priestly service. Intending to offer the incense at the wrong time, clarifies the Gemara, invalidates the offering. The second is the issue suggested by the second question about whether the preparation for doing a mitzvah is itself considered to be the equivalent of actually doing the mitzvah. The position of the Talmud Yerushalmi is that preparing to do a mitzvah is itself a mitzvah act that requires a blessing. Thus Yerushalmi Brachot 9.3.14a directs that one who makes a sukkah, lulav, mezuzah, or tzitzit for himself must make a blessing, acknowledging God who commanded the making of these ritual objects. 
The Bavli does not share this view about making brachot over the assembly or construction of ritual objects, but we may perhaps see a trace acknowledgement of the Yerushalmi's position in Rav Papa's question here on Yoma 48a to b. Are the preparations for a mitzvah considered to be like the mitzvah or not? Rav Papa is not, of course, interested in the issue of making a blessing. He is interested in the question of whether an improper intention during the preparatory process invalidates the subsequent mitzvah act. Rav Papa's question may be seen as a brilliantly sophisticated meta-question that builds on the Yerushalmi's halacha about making brachot on the preparation of mitzvah objects. Putting all this together, we could rewrite Rav Papa's question as follows. Assuming with the Yerushalmi that there is a mitzvah aspect to preparing to do a mitzvah, how far does that mitzvah aspect extend? Does it extend so far that holding an invalid intention about the mitzvah during the preparatory stage will invalidate the mitzvah? Or is the preparatory stage sufficiently distinct from the mitzvah act that an improper thought at that stage will not invalidate the mitzvah act? One argument in support of the idea that an invalid intention at the preparatory stage should invalidate the mitzvah act is simply that the Yerushalmi views the preparatory stage as itself having a mitzvah aspect that necessitates recitation of a bracha. Yet even if we concede this, the fact that the Yerushalmi assigns the preparatory stage a distinct bracha, not the typical blessing over the mitzvah with which we're familiar, this suggests that the preparatory stage is in fact distinct, and thus an improper thought at that stage should not invalidate the subsequent mitzvah act. Since we cannot really decide between these possibilities, the Gemara here in Yoma appropriately leaves the issue as teku, let it stand. Rav Papa's question simply cannot be definitively resolved. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.